the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Liberty in America is under assault. We no longer live in a reality that includes property rights. We're no longer the kings of our own castle. We no longer enjoy the true benefits of capitalism. Instead, we're negotiating our rights with our own government. This isn't how our country was founded. These aren't the ideas of our founders. It's time to seize back our country. This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, here's your host, Sean Thompson. Welcome to the Liberty Hour. I am your host, Charles Love, sometimes known as Sean Thompson. We have uh, some serious problems here in our country and in Chicago. You know, whenever there's issues, we don't want to be left out, right? You don't want to have uh, the madness going on and, say, you know, you're over here like, look at me, look at me. Um, it's been an interesting week. We got a lot to cover this week uh, on the little two hours we got here, but welcome. So if you want to talk about what's been in the news in Chicago, give us a call at 312-642-5600. Let me know what your thoughts are. You know I'm a solution guy. Tell me what you think the mayor, the state's attorney, the citizens should do about the craziness. I guess I need to... Um, Start off by saying what the craziness is. Uh, it's interesting. Well, I want to bring somebody in with me now. You know, normally in the second hour I have him on, but uh, there was enough going on that we had to move it right on up to the top of the hour. Just you enough know, crazy. There's just enough, just a right amount of crazy. So you know him as an uh, expert on community and economic development, two-time candidate for Congress. I love his uh, Confessions of Frustrated Democrat on uh, Facebook, Patrick Brutus, welcome to the Liberty Hour. Charles, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Everyone. Take, a, take, take a deep <laughs> breath. Take a deep breath. Yeah, we got to go you. right in. Yeah. So let's go, for, man. We have a lot to cover. Yeah, I was going to say we got to. You know, you can't assume the listeners know what's going on, except for you know. I think even if you're under a rock, you know what's going on because somebody picked it up to throw it at someone. I got no sound effect for that. Anyway, so, you know, it's funny because it goes full circle. It started when we were on air last Sunday and I didn't mention anything because it was coming in so hot. I didn't want to say anything. But while we were talking, there was supposedly, you know, this innocent. uh, What is he now down to 12, eight year old that was uh, sleeping in his bed and the police went in and drug him out and shot him. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was a, yeah, it was allegedly a fifteen-year-old. Turned out not to be a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, he he was but, allegedly but he was that, also allegedly dead. Let's not forget that. Right, right. Allegedly, the police killed a fifteen-year-old Sunday evening, which gave impetus to the movement on social media that created the riots that we saw early Monday morning around four a.m. downtown and on the Gold Coast again. So that was that was a, an exciting way to start the week. A lot went down. It was very chaotic. Chicago was, again, unrest. 
The bridges went up to prevent looters from gaining access to the million-dollar taxable properties that generate Chicago's economic engine. And now, and they stole mannequins. Don't forget that they stole mannequins. Not just the clothing, not just the shoes. They stole the mannequins. They took everything that moved and things that didn't move. So they took everything. Okay, but we we got to forget, you know. This went through the madness that was just the last, these past couple of days, but we had a little thing yeah. in the middle. We had the dueling uh, press conferences. Remember that? Back on Monday? Yeah. <laughs> so we had the press conference where the mayor and the police chief came out and laid down the law and blamed the state's attorney's office and the not-so-tough-on-crime approach from the prosecutor and uh, demanded oh, so she her She had to, to come more. out and say something. And so she came out and defended and her office, defended her record, and defended her standing in the community as, you know, someone who's pushing the law to make sure that the bad guys stay in jail. And uh, it, that was that was the first surreal. That was the second surreal moment of the week. Keep my name out your mouth. That's what she told me. Keep my name out your mouth. And, Charles, weren't you just as surprised as I was to find out later in the week, I believe on Thursday, they had a joint press conference with the FBI. To, you <laughs> the know, enemy. We they are, brought in the yeah, enemy. They brought in Dick Tracy and uh, <laughs> Elliot Ness. And but I know we make fun of them. Was. But no, so we make fun of them. But it's good that they did that and they did it Thursday because it cut off any possibility of any other things going on, which is why this weekend was so smooth. So I'll say, well, it wasn't that smooth. And so I will say optically, Charles, that was a good move in terms of, you know, playing chess because it presented a united front from the law enforcement community against anyone pledging to do bad things, right? Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. um, they said, hey, we're here together. We're going to work collaboratively, and all the law enforcement partners together standing in a kumbaya moment, singing We Are the World, and it was a beautiful picture, okay? They did it outdoor. They social distanced. There was a sunshine in the background and an array of hope in the sky. And so with before that, we get to what happened Ronald, after that, no, before we get to what happened oh, after that, yeah. I, you know, we got we, we don't want to rush through this too much. Now, keep in mind that and I think I, you know, I'm going to leave the mayor, the mayor did what she had to do. The people who kind of attacked her press conference is because they may not believe what she said, but she didn't really say anything that was wrong. Let's talk about Kim Fox. Now, here's the thing that I found interesting about Kim. Can I, can I say this and don't lose your thought though? But what Go I found ahead. interesting I, was, was this. She said she was saying things as if the press conference wasn't being recorded and you couldn't watch it. It was amazing. And I thought she was really professional. Yeah. She, she stood there. She took the questions like she was supposed to. She didn't avert them, but when she had a smarter move. Instead of dodging the question, I'll just answer the question and hope you forget the answer I gave down the road. It was beautiful. But one thing that stuck, yeah. one thing that stuck out, she said, when she was when she talked about it, she started off talking about, you know, when I took office, this is what was going on. And I did this and I declared I'm not going to waste my time on nonviolent violent offenses. I'm going to do this, this, this and this. And then when the, the questions came and they started to push her and say, well, what are you going to do about the looters? Of course, I'm going to charge them in my mind. I'm like, but they're nonviolent. But shut up, Charles. Let her finish. But then right, when they said, right. well, why are you what about the Chicago Tribune article that just hit saying that you were uh, releasing all these people and dropping charges? She said, no, first of all, you're talking about bond. I don't have anything to do with bond. The judges said bond. Yeah, that was what was so um, surreal about this press conference is that she, as the lead prosecutor, uh, you know, presented a paradigm as if she had nothing to do with nothing. After bragging, after bragging that, yes, I said I wasn't going to do this and I didn't do it. Whoa, 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 that's not me. 
Yeah, she blamed the police. Hey, I can't charge if they're not arrested. Then she blamed the courts. Hey, I don't sentence, right? And so it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And and guess what, Charles? It wasn't me. And so right. everybody this week had a press conference moment where they pushed back on the media, right? The right. mayor and the police chief pushed back on the reporter and said, hey, don't try to bait us and separate us and divide us. Kim Fox pushed back on Mike Flannery, who, who was asking her some tough questions. And then on Saturday, yesterday, or was it Friday, the police chief also pushed back on media um, and, you know, was pushing back. So everybody's pushing back. And it doesn't seem as if everyone really wants to answer the tough questions, even though we're in some tough moments that demand answers. And so mm-hmm. this was a very surreal week, Charles. I mean, we had a middle part of the week where the uh, the looters and the anti uh, you know, the Antifa, BLM Antifa, as I like to call them here, BLM mm-hmm. Antifa, you know, they were pushed back against by community members. Okay? Right. I was going to get to so, that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that, let's let's pace ourselves. We got, yep. you know, a couple <laughs> minutes here. But sure. Yep. So there was uh, looting in the beginning. So Donald Trump was right. First come the looting then comes the shooting. The looters were actually shooting Ouch. at the police during the during the melee riots and looting on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And then there was, you know, more shooting the, during this week. There was community pushback against those uh, BLM peaceful folks. Yeah, the peaceful we ones, had yeah. po- We had the law enforcement community pledging to go after the bad guys. And mm-hmm. at the end of the week, we had multiple arrests for bad behavior in Chicago during, quote unquote, peaceful demonstrations. Sounds so, like a win. It sounds like everything was going in the right direction. This is the week that never was. Charles. Until until the one guy got charged and he was not just a looter, but he was violent and he got a five hundred dollar bill. He's uh, out on bond again. The guy who got the guy that got busted for sla- for smashing the police with a skateboard. Yeah, no, no, I don't think the skateboard the skateboard guy didn't get let go yet, did he? Uh, well, he What's just got name? arrested. So yeah, no, no, this is no, somebody I, that got arrested from the Monday melee, and he had oh, been he had yeah. been in in a brawl with the police, and uh, he got uh, five hundred dollars bond. That wasn't Kim, though, amazing. of course. But. Mm-hmm. Amazing, right? Because mm-hmm. there was a press conference this morning uh, for the from the, BLM, from the BLM Antifa folks. They were at, uh, I believe, a police headquarter location where some of the rioters were arrested, and they were <sighs> demanding a release for one of their political prisoners. Yeah, I was going to say that. It was actually quite, uh, I, I'm going to use the word surreal because I think that's the word of the day, Charles. Um, you know, it's the surreal moment. They were acting as if they didn't do anything wrong and the police were completely unjustified for the actions they took to enforce the law. Now, see, uh, Saturday. that was perfect timing. You set that right up to get into more detail on them, their reaction, the counter reaction from people as to how this happened. And then what happened in the last day or so? Stick with us. More about the melee in Chicago. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer. It's the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM 560, The Answer. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here through the election for Sean Thompson on the line with Patrick Brutus. Hello, Patrick. Hey, Charles. I'm 
Yeah, you so still. I'm, I, I know. I'm still speechless because oh, okay. it's hard to actually tell your listeners how Chicago really is. I mean, I know we have a more Midwestern audience, but man, your folks in New York, they can't believe what they're seeing. No, they because what, it's we weird don't. because what they, and that's what I wanted to get to next. So we see what, as you coined, which is totally accurate, BLM and Tifa put all the letters together, has been doing all across the country. Right. And yeah. I'm going to talk in another segment about, you know, what this may mean, but it's still different. Everything's different in Chicago. And I'm going to try to find a different way to do this because George gives me a hard time when I do it the other way. So I'm going to do it this way, see if this works. So you were talking about BLM and I want to get a, get into their response to this because, you know, we say something. It was so sweet and perfect because we say things about, yeah. like, you know, people like me say things like they mean this or they say this and, and just and people support them. Will be like, that's not what they mean. I say, well, I'm using their own words. Or you say they, they mean more than defund the police. They say you're crazy. They condone bad behavior. No. So here's a quote. I'm reading a quote uh, from uh, an official statement from Black Lives Matter Chicago from an article I have here in Chicago Journal by uh, Charles Love. And it says, when protesters attack high end retail stores that are owned by the wealthy and service the wealthy, that is not our air quote city and has never been meant for us. Right. So in a sense, they were kind of saying looting was OK. Obviously, we both know they went further later. I've got this, audio of this if right. you want it. Right. Right. But then, oh, that was even better. I like that one. That was the more official. You know, they got to eat stuff. You know, right. Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody right. Jean Valjean. I think you should play that. But let me tell read the threat to the mayor. Right. They said the mayor's still not listening. to us. She's not getting it. She clearly has not learned anything since May. And she would be wise to understand that the people will keep rising up until the Chicago Police Department is abolished. But you, when you say they want to abolish the police, you just a racist right wing. What? Are, oh, go right, ahead, George. Right. George, let us know what BLM said. I don't care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That well, is reparations. Yes. Anything they want to take, take it, because these businesses have insurance. On Twitter, Reverend Jesse Jackson called the looting humiliating, embarrassing, and morally wrong. Jesse Jackson has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Jesse Jackson was not there for the creation of Black Lives Matter. Jesse Jackson can keep his opinions to himself. Well, you were you're 14, so you weren't there at the creation of Black Lives Matter because it was six years ago. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not nice. So there you go, hey. folks. Out of the mouths of a representative of BLM, they said they want to, in quotes, that they want to abolish the police. They said looting is fine. So from now on, when anyone says that's what they want, you cannot push back. Charles. Yes. Listen, this woman, and, you know, I know who she is. I know her name, but I won't make her famous here today. So mm-hmm. thanks for running that tape. And we heard from the mouth of babes are supposed to come the wisest things. Well, this is the most unwise thing, because what it does signal is that now the defund police, where they tried to spin it and make it 17 different things that it isn't. Now they have declared that what we know it to be is exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And so here they go, because now. If we think that they were really doing something, they are now planning to do something really major, right? And so I'm thinking this is going to be maybe on their part an effort to sustain their campaign of chaos, mayhem, terror, and delusional approach to public policy by now looting more, demonstrating more, and engaging the law enforcement community 
more at a level that we haven't seen yet. Because the threats that I saw today, that I heard and I saw that press conference, they are scary and delusional. You know, uh, I want to I'm give her a slight, somewhat backhanded defense because you said it was one of the, you know, the, the dumbest things or something someone said. It was like the worst. Uh, I don't know which one's worse. You say you don't want to make people famous, but you know this guy. And, and when I tell you what he said, no, I'm sure I, you, I know who that was. Oh, no, no, I'm right. saying but I think she's going to know the Little Mermaid. No, I'm talking about this guy I'm, I'm about to mention. I think she's, he's going to know who I'm talking about. I'll let uh, Patrick decide whether he wants to say his name or not. But didn't someone the other day when asked about the superintendent, how, how what kind of job he's doing, said, no, he's terrible. He was terrible from the start. And this is the man that blew somebody up in Dallas. <laughs> you know who that was, right? Uh, no comment. I, uh. no, we're not here to make folks famous. But yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, this is the way they think. This is the way they think. So if this is the way they think, obviously you're going to get more of what you um, of what they're saying because you know what they're saying may be crazy, but many people people speak out, but they're on the fringes. I got somebody coming up who speaks out, you know, pretty loud and clear against them. But most people either remain silent or a small percentage, you know, capitulate, give them what they want. So of course you're going to get more of it. Right. So just think about this. She just declared that vandalizing, looting and stealing uh, without permission and in the most violent manner possible is reparations. And so she just set back, uh, you know, at least 25 to 30 years of policy efforts to actually decide and and, and delineate what reparations is and what it isn't. I mean, John Conyers has introduced this bill. For at least thirty-five years, he should have added looting to it. He should have added looting to it. Looting to it, and maybe Pelosi might have picked hey, it up. We so got stuff to get to. Forget it. Because we got we got to get to our city to city deal, right? But I, I want to leave you with this. You know, my my approach is always give them the logic. So I would say I I'm going to give you a logic. You're right. Looting is fine, and you said the businesses have insurance, so it doesn't matter. So they, people should be able doesn't to just right, should be able to break into homes with impunity because those people have insurance too. I got homeowners insurance and car insurance. So Chicago, as of the time you came online, you passed New York. You were behind for the first time in like five years. But right now it sits (laughs) at 43 shot, four killed in Chicago, 40 shot, five killed in New York. Right. However, I still think that the tip goes to New York because of the increase for the summer. New York City shootings have tripled last year's numbers. Wow. I don't think Chicago's doubled yet. Tripled. You know, there, there was a shooting yeah. at Grand Central Station yesterday at 1030 in the morning, broad daylight, random. That's crazy. You I get mean, more. It's like it's, 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 I mean, I know it's violence and it's crime, but you get more of what you demand. If you allow it to happen and you say it's OK, you're going to get more of it. You don't arrest people. Yeah. You say defund the police. You do this. You strain the ends by protesting and, and marching 60 days in a row. And like you said on your, your on your page, it's ironic that they're protesting against the police and they have police escorts. Hey, that's America showing yeah. how great America is. However, it does strain the police department. Right. That's so true. if you continue and to do that. In full force yesterday. That was a full force yesterday. Yep. Uh, for the parade part, for the parade part. That was full force. So, yeah, you're right. They're draining resources, redeploying people from different uh, districts to come and, you know, escort these peaceful demonstrators as they went downtown to cause more chaos, mayhem and destruction, ended up getting maced and putting the police to work. So I guess they thought that the police weren't earning their money yesterday and decided to put them to the test. And I'm going to say something. I I don't know if I've ever said it. Jesse Jackson is correct. 
It is a moral. It is a moral problem. What is wrong with the way you were raised, regardless of racism, income inequality, what a you know disproportionate uh, tax funds being distributed throughout the city, whatever your issue is. What? How did your parents raise you that you feel it's okay that you can just act immorally because someone did something? Not not even that they did something to you directly. So because somebody you don't know got shot. You know, on the south side, you get to steal clothes from another store that had nothing to do with it. So, Charles, I'll, I'll say this, and I'm not sure if this is our, our you know, last couple seconds here in this segment. But what I'll say is this. I understand what they're saying. But they need to denounce the Antifa component of their program. Stop. So You're wrong. This is the first time I ever called you heard. out. You're wrong. That There is no separate no, no, components. I, they can't denounce well, what yes, they I, are. Well, they are the Antifa well, they components. Have, They're not going to denounce themselves. They, they got to denounce themselves. For them to be heard, they better denounce themselves. Because they don't want to be heard. Like, like maybe 25 percent of what they're calling for is legitimate. You but all are got, so oh, close, but you all haven't filled, uh, figured out BLM and Tifa yet. But I'm going to keep BLM trying to school you. BLM and Tifa does not have an ask. You all are still being fooled. Even the smart guys who get it like you, because it's weird. No one's ever done it before. But they don't want anything. That's why they don't care. That's why they haven't changed their website. They don't care. Yeah. They are the chaos yeah. arm of another organization, and their job is to do chaos, which is what they're doing. We got seconds. VP pick. You ready to eat your crow? Uh, yeah, I did. I did pick Whitmer, everybody. I picked Whitmer, and I am wrong. And we got Kamala. Kamala. It's on. Is it Kamala or Kamala? It depends on whether you're Jamaica, India, or the U.S. We better figure that out quick before November. Patrick Brutus, thanks as always. Coming up, you won't want to miss our next guest on the Liberty Hour, AM 560, The Answer. Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at 312-642-5600. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here for Sean. Don't call for Sean. He won't answer. Yeah, you won't. So, so get me. Was, yeah, you would get, well, you, well in, de- in defense, uh, they would get you anyway, right? This is true. Yeah. <laughs> so I am the well, firewall. <laughs> While he, uh, you are trying to get our guest on the line, um, that was a um, pretty uh, hefty ha- half an hour there. A lot going on, a lot to uh, cover there, and it's the middle of Sunday evening, so the weekend has not been completed. What I was trying to say to Patrick at the end, though, is that I know he's trying to be nice and diplomatic and, you know, a small percentage of what they're saying is actually quite valid. And it's not true. Separating themselves from the madness that is themselves. You can't do that. And I am doing a bit of investigative journalism. So I will have some stuff for you really soon here in the coming weeks uh, or at least months about this whole operation. And it's... um. Dangerous for the country, but it's brilliantly laid out. So, okay, let me put it to you this way. Black Lives Matter started to talk about police brutality, got a little extreme, kind of came in and faded based on what was happening in the news. And after 
George Floyd's death, boom, took off like a rocket. The name was everywhere. It's on the streets. People are sending in money. Now they got all this notoriety. And I thought, I never thought like uh, Patrick to the point that 25% of what they were saying was valid. But I thought they were just, you know, a misguided group of people who really wanted some change. And they went about it in kind of some quirky ways. Then they kind of was were extreme. And now they're getting all these eyeballs and all this money. And I, I would say to people, watch. Now that they're getting this, now they hit the big time, they're going to change their website. And then they didn't. I was like, oh, that's interesting. They're going to start losing some of their funding. Are they going to tame and, you know, kind of adjust their method? They got worse. I was like, that's all right. So I started to do this research. And what I found was sinister but brilliant. It made sense why they didn't change their website. It made sense why their antics didn't mellow over time, even with more lights and more eyeballs on them. It's because they don't care. That's not what they're doing. They're doing what their job is to do. And what their job to do is mayhem and chaos. How much do you love me? Uh, it depends. You're normally a lot. Is it more than normal? Uh, say hi to Eric. Eric! Well, let me set him up. Now, you know, he came in early. I appreciate him. <laughs> yeah, but he's now, doing us a favor at this point. Yeah, he is doing us a favor, but now I got to uh, set him up. Eric Early is on the line. He is an attorney. And a congressional candidate, sorry, he is uh, running in California 28. And what I'm trying to do, he's going to be the first in this series. I want to bring on, you know, I usually talk about macro issues, so I don't usually have political political candidates on, except for when it fits what I'm talking about. So there's a lot of people out there, a lot of, uh, you know, even though. Unless you live in that district, you don't know because you don't see them. But a lot of minorities running as Republicans who knew and a lot of of these uh, big name Democrats are up. Their seats are up and they and they have strong candidates running against them. So I said, why don't we bring the people on who may not be specific to Chicago, but they're running against names that, you know, and that's what Eric is. Eric, as I said, is an attorney, not a politician, as he'll tell you. And he is running against Adam Schiff. So, Eric, welcome to the Liberty Hour. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Charles. Thanks for coming on a little early. I know you got a show to do anyway, so this is probably better for you. <laughs> no, this is good. This works well. So, Adam Schiff is a big name, you know, and you know in politics, because people don't tend to pay attention, they tend to like to, you know, just hit the lever for whatever name they know. You got this guy we don't know running against them. It's easier for an incumbent to amass money. So I'm wondering, what made you take on this fight? Uh, well, uh, you know, I live in the district, and um, I, I can't stand Adam Schiff, quite frankly. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and boiling it down. I live in the district. I support the president. Um, I had run for California Attorney General a couple of years ago, uh, my first ever political race. I got almost a million votes throughout the wow. state of California. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. I didn't see anybody else that I thought was good step up. And um, so I got in for that reason. And I uh, I also firmly believe we're in a battle of good versus evil in America. And people have to step up and take it on. So I spoke to my family. I spoke to my political folks and, and got in. And thankfully, um, we had a primary in March 3rd. There were eight of us in the race at that point. And the top two go forward. And it's just me and Schiff now. 
Yeah, you all do have. I forget, forget forgetting you have that weird top two regardless of party kind of deal. So it's impressive, people. You must understand this if you don't know this. Like he said, people run regardless of party. Top two make the ballot. Yep. So you know it's California. So it's impressive that a Republican got on the ballot. It could easily have been shift versus shift two. So kudos yes, for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you, thank you very much. So, oh my uh, God! Yeah, we got a we, we got a lot going on against him now. Um, well, it sounds like you're you know, in the car. And, and they, I'm running up yeah. into the break. Can you hold on for a minute for me? Oh, absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate it. Stick with us. We'll talk further with Eric Early on the other side. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer. You're listening to the Liberty Hour with Sean Thompson. Get on the line with Sean by calling 312-642-5600. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. I am not Sean Thompson. Did I did I mention that? I am not Sean Thompson. Nothing against being Sean Thompson. I am just not Sean Thompson. Charles Love here. And uh, I was just saying that we breaking ground on a new segment where we're bringing in congressional, well, not necessarily congressional, just candidates who are running against either prominent Democrats or, you know, minority Republicans who want to say, hey, I'm out here, look, and, and wave and say whatever they want to say, you know, unique racists, close racists, and uh, yeah, People that kind seeking of thing. to eliminate significant parts of the problem. Okay. Yes, 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 that's what they are. And we are fortunate enough to have Eric Early online. He is running against one Adam Schiff, in the state of California. And, you know, we all know, uh, Eric, we know Adam, unfortunately, well, fortunately, we don't know his dirty details in, in the district. We know him as the Russia probe guy, you know, and, yeah. and Trump's nicknames and such. But, but can you tell us what he has done or what he is doing in the district? Well, Charles, you know about as much as he's done in our district as anybody in our district knows what he's done in our district. I had a feeling. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, this listen, Schiff has been in office 20 years, but up until about three years ago, when uh, Trump derangement syndrome entered his body full time, really most people out here didn't know who the heck the guy was. He'd just appear on the ballot, he had a D next to his name, and he'd get elected. Uh, three years ago, people started figuring out who this character was. But in terms of our district, uh, other than sort of staffers paying lip service to uh, some people here and there. He's never done any major thing of any import whatsoever in his 20 years in our district. And instead, um, our district is suffering mightily. Uh, you know, we have 50,000 people living on the streets. I think, I think that's, I don't know what Chicago's like, but that's a pretty hard concept for a lot of people to uh, wrap their brains around for obvious yeah. reasons. And right. um, they, that didn't exist. None of that existed when Schiff started. And Schiff has not done a damn thing about it. You know, crime is on the rise. Businesses are going under. They started going under well before COVID uh, and and on and on. So, uh, you know, infrastructure and everything else. Schiff is non-existent in our district. And, in fact, he lives in Maryland. So uh, the only time he shows up is when he has to uh, come for a Hollywood fundraiser, and that was before COVID. Now he comes in by Zoom and uh, or shows up for an interview by one of his speaking fans in the local media. But... But our district right. has purely always been a placeholder for Adam Schiff to try uh-huh. and get to some higher position. 
Well, I got to say this. I, uh, you know, we just connected through some a mutual friend. You don't know much about me, but I don't know if you looked at my signature on the on my uh, email. And I am the assistant executive director of Seeking Educational Excellence. So that is pretty much that. And so I looked at your website, and there's two things that stuck out to me because the things I talk most about are the culture and pushing back against BLM and uh, 1619 and education. So two of the things that stuck out was one, the fact that you talk specifically about pushing back against that narrative. And then also the AB5, which I was uh, um, talking about last week because of the schools going back. And I'm sure you heard in California the uh, people who were trying to do these uh, micro schools and how because of the new law, they had to hire employees in order to get babysitters. So tell yeah. everybody what AB5 is and what SHIFT is trying to do with it. Well, AB5 is one of the uh, great job killers of our generation out here in California where, you know, I call our government in Sacramento here the Politburo because it is uh, it is stacked wall-to-wall with Democrats. They have a supermajority up there uh, in the legislature, and then, of course, they have this governor, the MPC, Gavin Newsom, and they have this uh, joker for an attorney general named Avi Abbasir. So whatever they want passed, they get passed up there. And they, they brought in AB5, and they got it passed at the beginning of uh, this year. And it makes illegal, with very limited exceptions, people to be able to work as independent contractors, freelancers, and gig workers. And there are over 300 different livelihoods uh, that people uh, work as independent contractors, freelancers, and gig workers. Everything from Uber and Lyft drivers to all kinds of people in the entertainment industry out here. My hand is up. Ner- What's that? <laughs> I said, my hand is up. Me too. Oh, there you go. Uh, many kinds okay, many kinds of uh, nurses and people in the real estate industry and truckers, and it, it just goes on and on. So mm-hmm. what is behind this whole thing, and why are they doing this? Uh, the the uh, people up there in the Politburo bought, bought and paid for by the public employees' unions, and the public employees' unions want all of these people to be reclassified as employees so that they end up paying tens of millions of dollars in union dues to uh, the public employees' unions. And it's causing tremendous havoc out here. And uh, people are being put out of work, and there's just a huge ruling with Uber and Lyft to the point where uh, where they lost a uh, an injunction motion the other day that was brought by the state attorney general. And now Uber and Lyft are threatening to stop providing services in California. Right. They don't uh, understand so, consequences on the left. They do not understand no, consequences. They don't. And the key thing here is they want more employees, but they never think things through because though we, I'm sure we probably agree on this and we don't agree on their move for the healthcare thing, but while they make more employees, universal healthcare would already break the country. Imagine where all these people have to also get healthcare. Nothing that they talk about doing makes sense. You came on early for me. I appreciate it. And we do definitely need to uh, connect on the school piece and the BLM 1619 project. But I want to leave you a few seconds to tell everybody how they can uh, reach out to you and find your campaign. All right. First, I'll say that SHIFT is supporting a national version of AB5 that would put all these folks out of work nationally. Uh, People can reach me at www.ericearly.com, E-R-I-C-E-A-R-L-Y.com. We're fueled by small donations and large from all around America. We've had over 40,000 donations to our race, to my campaign. I need your folks' support. So thanks, everybody in Chicago, and good luck out there. Well, thanks for coming on. Eric Early is his name. Uh, Stick with me. We'll talk about more in the news on the Liberty Hour, AM 560, The Answer. That GOP senators were warned 
Vote against your president, vote against the president, and your head will be on a pike. Now, I don't know if that's true. This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here, hosting for Sean Thompson. Hey, 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 hey. Sometimes ask Sean Thompson. <laughs> you can never tell when. No. So, uh, Eric, isn't it funny? You know, when I thought about doing this, I'm like, do I want to do this whole little thing? Eric uh, actually dropped just before the segment started. I think he had to go. Oh, yeah, I know that. I was just talking about him. I, I, that's why I let him do his, you know, okay. say where the people can find him. I'm I'm just referencing the fact, you know, I was thinking when I was doing this, I was like, it's good for people to hear about this stuff. But I'm like, you know, it's all different parts of the country. Some people can't relate. And then he started talking. And, and I don't know if you felt this, but I'm laughing out loud. I didn't want to interrupt him. But he's like, well, they have a super majority and our government governor's terrible. Yeah. And then our attorney general, I was like, I wanted to say, are you? T- I thought you said you were running in California. Well, see, people people in California and New Jersey and New York, they they don't, you know, people hear about California and New right. Jersey and New York. They, you don't necessarily hear about Illinois. Right. And and so I think a lot of the people in those states, they go, oh, yeah, yeah no, you don't understand. It's really bad here. Right. Go, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, story. No, no, life. but they have a super majority. No, but it's a lot of them. Yeah. They can pass yeah. anything they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But have the you stuff had they the pass same guy running it for 46 years or whatever? Just, Probably it's not. It's just funny. Yeah, it is crazy. But that was good information. And when I, you know, you, these candidates, I don't have to agree with them. And I just like, let's see what they, why they're running. I don't know. These are mostly newbies, just people. It's, it's interesting because a lot of these people, people just got fed up, right? I, like he was, I just don't like this guy. If somebody gonna, needs to run against that guy, you look around, there's nobody there. So they're like, all right, I guess I'll do it. So that's what makes it interesting. But, you know, I'll see. I haven't even looked into some of the other candidates yet. I'm sure I'll find interesting things from a, policy standpoint but it was just interesting that ab5 thing that whole yeah we want we, we want to make gig employees uh no longer independent contractors and we want to do it all across the country because it's been working so well here in california that's just insane absolutely insane no independent con- now if you never owned a business you don't understand what that means but that's a big deal if you're a small business and you can bring on a guy that has a specialty that you need and you can pay him a decent amount of money or whatever he wants. You agree on the number, but you don't have to cover, you know, that low that is the uh, compensation package with it. You know, it's it's the barrier to entry. I, I know I just blew some minds of people on the left. They're like, what is that? I don't like barriers. Walls are bad. But, um, you know, he was good. It was interesting. And uh, go check him out. And. You know, back to Chicago, things are bad. And I think when he came on, I was beating up BLM at the time, right? Is that where I left off before Eric? I believe so. It was the BLM ANTIFA. Yes. Just put all those letters together. Yeah. Well, the Marxists, they love a good acronym. (laughs) Yes, they do. Um, But I just think that even the people who are pushing back against them kind of miss what their intent is. And that's what I'm trying to bring out. You know, you would be right. I mean, because don't I talk about that all the time? I talk about if you want to solve a problem, you got to know what the root problem is so you can try to solve it. I think that many well-intended people are pushing back against BLM. Good for them because most people aren't, but they're pushing back on them. They're like, well, what they're saying is showing a group, one group specialty uh, and preference to not show another group preference. And that's wrong. Yeah. But if that's what you think their goal is, you're going to lose because that ain't they go. Let me tell you. It may seem like it, but it's not. 
Yeah, you can't right. really have that, like, you know, policy-level argument with somebody uh-huh. who's just way out and, you know. That looting's good, right? I mean, how are you going to have a debate with them about that? You know, our police are all bad. All cops are whatever the B stands for. I don't know, brilliant. You know, you can't have a debate with those people. I mean, you can, but it'll be pointless. Right. What they really want to do is just shake you to your core and scare you into giving them stuff. That's what they want. So, you know, they get in the streets and they march in Seattle and say, white people, give me your house. And you say, oh, that's cute. And you think they're going to stop. Well, we will see. Well, that was one quick hour. Coming up on the second hour, stick around. We will be back with Gordon Chang to talk about China. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer. But wait, there's more. Liberty in America is under assault. We no longer live in a reality that includes property rights. We're no longer the kings of our own castle. We no longer enjoy the true benefits of capitalism. Instead, we're negotiating our rights with our own government. This isn't how our country was founded. These aren't the ideas of our founders. It's time to seize back our country. This is the Liberty Hour, where these important issues will be discussed for the sake of America's future. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Constitution in the other, Here's your host, Sean Thompson. Welcome to the second hour of the Liberty Hour. I am Charles Love, not Sean Thompson. You know, we've been having back and forth with China, um, mostly one-sided, but since Trump has been in office, it's been pretty aggressive ups and downs. And, you know, they're supposedly having some trade talks now. And there's a lot going on with that, TikTok and other things. And uh, I thought we should uh, go to the authority to find out what is going on and what we should do. So get out your pen and paper. My next guest is Gordon Chang. He's a columnist, television pundit, lawyer, and the author of two books, The Coming Collapse of China and The Great U.S.-China Tech War. Follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, welcome to the Liberty Hour. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, a lot going on here. I want to start with TikTok, since that's been in the news, and most people play around with it and think it's fun and think Trump is being, uh, you know, uh, his typical overbearing, uh, unnecessary self in dealing with that. And you recently wrote an article, TikTok, China's Tro- Trojan Horse to Indoctrinate America. And in it, you say that Trump may have saved American democracy, but not his presidency. You uh, care to explain that? Sure. China has been using TikTok to surveil Americans. People know that. But it also appears that China has been using TikTok to manipulate the U.S. political process in a way which disfavors the president and helps his opponent, Joseph Biden. Now, what President Trump has done is he's given TikTok uh, essentially um, uh, 45 days uh, in either to sell itself or to cease operations in the U.S., now, that 45 days is well before the uh, November 3. But even if TikTok is sold to a U.S. company, it will take months for that new owner to go through lines and lines and lines of code to get out China's malicious software. And that means that President Trump 
although he's taken an important step to defend American democracy by getting China out of our electoral process, won't probably do that in time um, before the November 3 election. And that gives Beijing a lot of opportunity to use the app to manipulate American political opinion against him. Well, well, I have a sadly cynical question to follow up to that, because you said it would take time for that American company to go through that code. And I know this is cynical, but do we even know that they would? I mean, think about it this way. This the views on this. You said we know that TikTok and China is doing this, but the views on this seems to be down party lines. So you think you would think that politicians and business um, owners and the people who manage these companies would want whatever's best for the American people. So if Democrats can come out and just say, well, we disagree with Trump on this, even though we know the facts. I mean, is it safe to say that the companies would even go that far and make it a big deal as long as they're making money to even try to write the code? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I actually think that uh, the U.S. government, as a condition for a sale of TikTok to an American owner, would require that line-by-line code review. Now, many people say that if the purchaser were Microsoft, um, and Microsoft is talking to ByteDance, which is TikTok's owner, mm-hmm. that if the purchaser were Microsoft, that they would feel beholden to China and they wouldn't lift a finger to help um, remove the code. But really, this is going to be subject to negotiation. And there's a lot going on here, which we don't necessarily see from the outside. But I do believe that the federal government would require, as a condition of sale, such a review. Right. Um, That makes sense. But you mentioned what the views would be on Microsoft, so I, I think I want to jump around and get to the companies then and China's strength in imposing its will on U.S. companies uh, who are looking to do business in their huge market. So can you tell the people some of the extreme ways the Chinese government, the different requests they put on American companies and how they just acquiesce to them because they want that, that market share, you know, kind of like movie, uh, Hollywood changing scenes in movies and things of that nature. To what magnitude does this happen? Oh, this happens all the time, and it happens to all the major companies. And indeed, you know, we know that Microsoft has had a lot of problems with the Chinese central government and the Communist Party. Uh, there's been um, enormous privacy, but also Beijing has really sat on Microsoft um, and force the disclosure of internal company secrets. So really, this is a problem. And this problem won't be solved as long as U.S. companies are in China. Wow. So what do they get? I mean, obviously, it's the it's all comes down to money for the businesses. But why do you think that they don't get any outside of political, which tend to be one sided? Why these companies don't get any pushback? from the American people when they see stories or when they hear about, you know, conditions or anything like you had an article recently where you talked about Nike basically supporting sweatshops and slave labor in China. Why do, why do you think this it becomes like a, a blip on the radar in America? Well, even though I think American public opinion um, is pretty united, um, nonetheless, it's the American people are not effectively organized which explains why, for instance, very small minority groups um, or minority interests are able to get their way, because if they're organized, um, they can get what they want through the political process. 
So even though I think most Americans would be really upset with um, some of the things that U.S. companies do in China, um, they don't have the ability to effectively wield political influence either on those companies or on the U.S. government. And you referred to Nike. Um, Nike has known or should have known that it was using slave labor. And it was even worse than that because the slave labor was from a racial uh, and ethnic minority uh, in China. So here you have Nike lecturing us about all sorts of things and racism in our country, and yet it is essentially operating slave operations in China. Right. That minority, was they were Muslim, right? Yes. The Uyghurs and Kazakhs who are Muslims, um, they, of course, have a different religion. They've got different customs, and they're also a different racial stock than most of the people in China. So you're talking about a racial minority that has been used extensively in slave labor operations. An Australian think tank in March published a report which showed that more than 80,000 Uyghurs and Kazakhs and others have been transported around China to work in slave-like conditions. One of those facilities that was highlighted is a factory in Qingdao in China, in, in Shandong province. Um, and it's operated by a South Korean company, but it's a long-term supplier to Nike over three decades. And China makes about 8 million pairs of shoes at that facility. Mm -hmm. Of course, Nike knows that it's slave labor, and yet they have the temerity to tell us about racism in America. <laughs> right. And this isn't, I mean, you say this this relationship obviously has been, a, a multi-decade relationship, but these this accusation might be specifically uh, recent, but there have been, I know I remember hearing some vaguely even as late as the uh, early 90s. So these accusations of mispracticing in their warehouses isn't new, right? Yeah, I mean, there have been all sorts of um, accusations against U.S. companies, including Nike, for the labor conditions uh, mm -hmm. in factories that produce their products. Um, but what's new, though, is that now this has become um, really an issue of slavery, and it's become the issue of slaves of a racial minority. That's what's new in all of this discussion. And when we think about that, um, that puts a whole new um, context for what's going on. We're talking to Gordon Chang, columnist and author of The Coming Collapse of China and The Great U.S.-China Tech War. Follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Um, want to switch to, we got about a minute here and we can pick it up on the other side to trade because since the president's been in office and even before he ran for office, he'd always been talking about China and things being unfair. And he is saying that, uh, you know, he, he's been pushing back and saying that he's going to challenge China to do certain things and to, uh, make the trade wars more fair. And people in America have been attacking him for it, saying that, you know, he is unfairly uh, treating China and things of that nature. But technically, haven't we had a trade war uh, with China from the, for many years? And it's just been fought on one side. It's been a one sided war, right? You're absolutely right about that. Um, China has been waging a trade war against the U.S. for at least three decades, maybe longer. And we Americans have been oblivious to all of that. Well, we're getting played off the stage. Stick with me when we come back. I want to talk about why no one else has tried to address that. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer. This is the Liberty Hour. 
Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM560, The Answer. Everybody knows that the day is loaded. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here, talking with Gordon Chang, columnist, TV pundit, lawyer, author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. Follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. When we left before the break, we were talking about Trump and his up and down uh, aggression toward China. And I was asking why this is taken on such large uh, focus with Trump. Obviously, he thinks it's important, but why none of the previous uh, presidents, since this has been an ongoing thing, have made it a, a point to address what's going on in China? Yeah, I think that President Trump, to his credit and great credit, has decided to take this on. He didn't have to do it. Matter of fact, um, his three previous predecessors, um, especially the, the, the George W. Bush and Barack Obama, just ignored what China was doing. So I think President Trump um, has been doing a good job. Um, he's been making sure that the American worker and American businesses are protected. And, um, you know, you can say that his predecessors just couldn't be bothered. But cer- certainly President Trump has been taking effective action against the Chinese. So these actions, um, what do you think is the um, he's talked about several things. He, I mean, we obviously started with tariffs. But what do you think is the most effective of the things that he is doing or what would you say he should be doing that he hasn't tackled yet? Well, I think probably the most effective has been the imposition of tariffs under Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974, what we've just been talking about. And these were remedies for the theft of U.S. intellectual property. China's been stealing hundreds of billions of dollars of U.S. IP a year, and Trump has done something about it. But perhaps the most critically important, at least in the long term, has been his moves against Huawei Technologies, which is a Chinese telecom equipment manufacturer. Beijing has been using Huawei equipment to spy on other countries. And Trump is saying, you know, he's just not putting up with that. So that's really important, especially because we're moving to a 5G world. That's the fifth generation of wireless communications. That's the Internet of Things. And Huawei can spy on everybody um, in a 5G world, and it can even manipulate devices that are connected to the Internet in a 5G world. So I think that long term is perhaps the most significant of what President Trump has been doing. Okay, um, so they're in the middle of their uh, (laughs) trade talks, and I would assume that it's most likely that Trump and his administration is going to push back against China on not holding up their end of the, the previous deal. China is going to have concerns with the TikTok sale. What do you expect to come from these talks? I don't expect to get much further on trade. Uh, China is intransigent, and I expect President Trump, uh, and this is just a guess, um, but I, I expect him to be even more resolute because the Chinese will become more intransigent. And, you know, this is a lot of tension. People blame the president for the tension, but they shouldn't because this tension is a good thing. It means we're defending ourselves where previous American presidents didn't defend um, the American worker, American businesses, and even the United States didn't didn't defend the United States at all. So I'm very happy with the way things are going um, with regard to China. Great. Um, I want to get to your book, but but first I want to mention this because 
these trade talks, the, the spying and all those things may be some of the more, you know, nuts and bolts, important parts that people don't see. But because I don't think I don't hear the average American talk about it. I think it's over their head. But the one thing they do talk about is debt. So from a monetary policy standpoint, what how do you think that affects both the trade deal and our relationship with China with them holding so much debt? I worry, Charles, about almost everything that China does, but their holding of U.S. debt doesn't bother me for a number of reasons. First of all, China, for its own reasons, has been selling U.S. debt. It sold about a trillion dollars worth of it. And the reason is that they got to defend their own currency, which is right. perhaps their most critical economic problem. But if you think about the way the global financial markets work, um, China's holding of debt doesn't really give them any clout. And the reason is they often talk about selling our debt to hurt us, to try to influence us. But if they do that, they're going to get back dollars because 100 percent of our debt is denominated in our own currency. And if they're going to sell dollars to hurt us, they're going to force other currencies to increase in value because they're going to have to buy those other currencies. And that means the central banks in those other countries, in order to rebalance their currencies, in other words, to bring back their currencies to a lower level, the only way they can do that is to buy dollars. So this is um, something which is not going to give China very much leverage. Which is part of the problem, because that's the <laughs> it's the least of the problems, but it's the things that most people hear about, most people know. So, which leads to your book. You say that uh, there's a great U.S.-China tech war. So, give us an, you know, a quick synopsis of the book and uh, why this is the uh, coming problem between the two countries. Well, the U.S. economy has been dominant throughout the world because U.S. technology has been dominant. China wants to be the dominant tech power in the world. And as I mentioned, they've been stealing U.S. intellectual property. Um, but in certain areas um, where China's actually become a tech leader, so for instance, quantum communications, um, China has at least a half-decade lead on, the, on us. And that's unhackable um, communications. China has it, we do not. And what is really very strange, Charles, is that... Uh, the theoretical basis for quantum communications was developed by an American, Albert Einstein. But we didn't develop quantum communications. We allowed the Chinese to do that. And so we need to actually, I think, have a national effort to develop technology, like we did with the space race. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, well, here's a, a, a layman question, but we talk about earlier, we were talking about trade, and we were talking about the businesses and, and what they give up to do business in China. So if this is a problem, at least from the tech side, why you say that the, the that Trump and uh, the U.S. government could um, step in with the sale of TikTok and other things. Why aren't we pressing our innovators not to do business in China, even though that would cost them a market share? Yeah, I, I think the United States should require, for instance, Google to stop its artificial intelligence partnerships with China, because all of the intelligence and, and research that's developed by Google in China is directly pipelined into the Chinese military if they want it, because they mm -hmm. have the stock civil military fusion. So um, I don't think that we should be allowing uh, R&D in China at all. And so I would, if I were President Trump, I would be using powers under the International Emergency Economic Powers Act of 1977 to force Google to stop its 
artificial intelligence partnerships in China. And I would get after Microsoft for its facial recognition research, and I'd go after all the other tech companies as well. That makes total sense to me. It's like, it seems shocking to me that no one's paying attention to that stuff. So we talk about, you know, you know, the movies, like I mentioned it, because we hear that. We are, I can't believe they changed the flags on, on um, the characters' uh, lapels in a movie. That's such a big deal. They talk about things of that nature and changing the intro in a movie or changing the title. But, you know, yeah, go ahead and just give them all your, your great new ideas and all your innovation. It seems madness, like it's madness to me, and we don't do anything about that. So uh, in, the, in the last minute or so here, I want to talk about, I want to ask what we, what we can do. I mean... I'm a solutions guy. I don't know. We talk about some things that Trump and the administration is going to do, can and would do. We have a, an election coming up, though, right? So he may not be the guy. You know, so I want to talk about one on that standpoint. Trump loses. Biden's president. What does the U.S.-China relationship uh, look like? Or what do you think that next administration is going to do? And what should we as citizens do to try to push our Congress uh, people and other people that we elect to do something about China? Yeah. Well, every new president um, spends at least a year trying to develop a cooperative relationship with Beijing. Trump did it in 2017, but China did not reciprocate the generosity. So President Trump then started to hammer the China, which is exactly the right thing to do. Well, Biden will do the same thing, regardless of what the vice president thinks. As president, he will lose a year. We cannot afford to lose any time right now, Charles. And the point is, a lot of the Democratic Party's foreign policy establishment is very pro-China, wedded to the engagement theories that have failed over three decades. So I I don't think that uh, Vice President Biden has the right attitude on China. But even if he did, I know we're going to lose time because, as I said, every new president tries to think, think to develop better relations with Beijing. It doesn't work. Beijing doesn't reciprocate. We're coming up on a hard break. Where can we find you? At Gordon G. Chang on Twitter, and my website is www.gordonchang.com. Thank you for joining us here on the Liberty Hour. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you. AM 560, The Answer. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Liberty Hour. Call Sean now at 312-642-5600. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Call Sean, I dare you. Do it and see what happens. I am Charles Love, hosting the Liberty Hour for Sean, but you can call him. Um, Wow, so we just finished up the segment on China, and uh, things are looking bleak. And uh doesn't really matter because things are looking bleak stateside as well. Um, I was talking about BLM before. We went to a commercial break. They're telling me about all this madness. Did you all hear that? Did you all stay through the commercial? It was like shots fired in a free market in San Antonio. Police officer shot. Security guard returns fire. Violent protests in this city, that city, Michigan, Cincinnati, Portland, New York, Chicago. They're everywhere. You know. Am I the way I see it is then we got a long 75, 80 days, whatever we got left of the election. But many people think that all of this is a ploy 
and create it to shift and change that election? That may be a part of it, but I keep telling people, record this. I want to save it so I can play it back. It's not a good thing, though, but it unfortunately, it just makes sense. That whatever reason is happening, I don't um, say it's a conspiracy and say it was started initially on purpose. But there's no doubt that many players are adding fuel to the fire to make it larger in hopes that they'll get a certain result. The problem is it's a mob and you can't control it. A lot of people are saying things like, you know, this all is going to end in November when the election's over. I don't see it. Uh, that may be the intent, but if you give an angry mob too much, let them go too far and you keep feeding it, it becomes a monster you can't control. Yeah. There's, right? th- there's a certain point at which, you know, you, you lose the power to shift the narrative, right? E- and exactly. Then, and it, it also could turn right back in and around on you. Right. You get blowback, right? <laughs> I've had that happen with a few relationships. <laughs> yeah, that's what I see happen. I'm saying this is all set, that we've reached a Rubicon, and, and because we keep throwing on more and more emotion and factoring in irresponsible media, there's simply no way back. We heard you played a clip in the first segment uh, of that woman from BLM. We see what's going on. We see how the media portrays it, you know, um, and I just know that we're kind of lost when you look at this. I'm, I posted something on Facebook today where I'm amazed at the number of people, you know, some of them people I grew up with, some people I thought that were like rational, normal human beings who have just lost their minds over this kind of thing. There's absolutely no, it's like the things that they, they sound like that girl you played, but they're, you know, 50 and educated. I'm like, what's wrong with you? So they'll say stuff like um, BLM, like I said earlier, BLM, that's not even what they mean. That's not what BLM stands for. You're twisting their words. I want to abolish the police. Are you sure you want to abolish police? Yes. How do you twist that? Not very ambiguous, is it? Right. How do you twist it? I'm not. Well, that's just one person. It's on the website. Well, that's just a typo. But they also did this. Well, that's just a Chicago lady. But they said it in Cincinnati. Well, you know, no matter what you say. I heard a new one yesterday. What was this one? Uh, well, if you abolish local police, there will still be county, state, and oh, federal I heard police. That one a couple so, months ago. So, what are you worried about? <laughs> it's so funny, right? I heard that before, and I said, "But the oh. amount of cognitive dissonance necessary right. to to say that with a straight face is just absurd." That's the reason why I, I impl- implore all the people who agree with me to stop arguing with them and give them the arg- give them the argument, and just watch their head spin when you say stuff. So he says that to me, and I say. You know, that's right. I didn't think about that. There would still be them. Oh, but what I didn't know that only local cops could be racist. So all cops are bastards. No, no. Unless they're county. Unless they're county. No federal law enforcement has ever been racist. J.O. Hoover did not exist. No, Um, no, of course not. No, that's a myth. In fact, there were local police who were tapping MLK's phones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, only local police. So if it's county or if it's state, you're good. Yep. And then who who knew, right? Who knew? Here's another interesting thing. 
this has been out there for a while. Check, check, check my Twitter feed or my Facebook. I don't say anything, but I just watch people. And it's funny the way everything has been crafted now by yeah. whether you, by, by Trump, non-Trump, left, non-right, crazy, not crazy. So you, you heard about the five-year-old that got killed, right? The yes. uh, boy that got killed by his neighbor. And so I sit back and watch people, right? And I have supposedly sane, educated people that I know saying, see, this is the problem in this country. This is the problem with you racist whites, you Trump supporters, and you people who are uh, give them cover. What do you mean? Well, you all are posting this stuff like, look at him and look at this and saying say, it's a comparison between George Floyd. It's different because his murderer got arrested within 30 seconds. And that guy didn't get arrested for three days. But the media Excuse still me? didn't cover it. Oh, and no, 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 not fair. They covered it all right. No, they, they, put the, they put the father on the cover of the uh, page and said, this guy's son got killed. Right? No one, if it was white, it would be like, you know, this, this white guy kills this person. Stick with us. We got more of this. We got some more interesting stories. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer. You're listening to the Liberty Hour with Sean Thompson. Get on the line with Sean by calling 312 312- Six four two fifty six hundred. Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here. I called that number. Sean didn't answer. What a jerk. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to have to call his cell phone at 4 o'clock in the morning to complain. <laughs> so you didn't we- know you were you were doing this show with a boomer, did you? I did not know. I just learned that over we were, the break. We were it's just amazing. talking about the absurd things that people say on Twitter in the break. And uh, yes, I'm I'm a boomer. And he's a boomer. Yeah, I was born in, in like the early 80s. That, that sounds like a boomer. Yeah, I, I must be a boomer. Only 30 years off. So, <laughs> talk about these, these, these social media things and these people who have crossed over into full-on insanity. And I watch these people who are like, I don't condone killing. Killing is wrong. Murder is bad. Unless Trump supporters don't like the killing, then I'm, you know, partially okay with the killing. It's a weird equivalency thing. It's kind of disgusting. It, it, tell me about it. You're talking about the murder of a five year old, and we're partially. Well, that whole, the, I mean, that that, but yeah, I just meant the philosophical point of of you know just being intellectually dishonest. Like I hate this, but then. But then you right. could say the same thing about not not on any level like like with this five year old, but uh, you could say the same thing with like executive orders. We used to hate them. Now we yeah. don't care. I think I uh, actually said that right here on these airwaves just one week ago, my friend. So I'm on the sun <laughs> right now, and it must I'm be pretty warm. How are your shoes doing? <laughs> They're gone now. Did them... And I'm reading a headline, and when I say that, I just want to give an example. When I say the media plays a part in this, so. These are their words. I'm just going to read the headline and and touch on something in the article. Left versus right. Shocking moment. Right wing Proud Boys group and Antifa protesters brawl during ugly clash in Michigan. So I'll stop there. Do you see anything wrong with that headline, Macbeth? Well, uh, aside from the fact that uh, I'm sure the grammar was terrible. I mean, yeah. So the Proud Boys are right. The Proud Boys are right wing. And yes. Antifa is obviously mainstream. No, they're they, just protesters. It wasn't. Oh yes, yes. Nearly, nearly, almost completely peaceful protesters. Okay, it gets better. So this is their <laughs> article. Their article. I promise. Google it. The, the U.S. Sun. I didn't change a word. 
a rally organized by the far far right far now the far right first was right wing now far right oh, group yeah. proud boys in Kalamazoo Michigan escalated into violence when they were met by counter protesters and Antifa members so it escalated into violence when Antifa showed up right right but, but, but right but but remember the headline said that the, you know broke out in the left right then it says the ugly scenes broke out you know after the proud boys were having this march and it says it was supposed to, so the counter-protesters had some pastor there and said, let's remain peaceful. However, things quickly turned ugly when the right-wing group arrived. But what do you mean arrived? It was their march. Waving, yeah. waving American, Trump, and Gadsden flags. Oh, wow. I'm scared. <laughs> this is awesome, isn't it? So, but there's a video a couple of, you must go and watch the video. The, I will. the second video is literally a black guy punching one of the Proud Boys. All right. <laughs> it's awesome. But but according to them, the so, so here this people, I don't care. I, this is not a partisan thing. This is just a media and a common sense thing. I don't care if it's the Klan. Let's insert Klan. Let's make them right wing. So the Klan got a permit to have a rally. When they showed up for their rally, someone came up and said, we don't want you here and punched them in the face. The headline says left, right attack, right wing Klan Faces off against protesters. Yeah, I don't think you even have to use the Klan or, or any, you have to change anything other than just, just let's go through the timeline, right? So the Proud Boys had a march, so yes. they obviously had started their march, right? Yes. So Proud Boys arrive, begin march. Yes. Antifa arrives. No, and, no, and, in the article it separates on. protesters and Antifa. Hold okay, but, but the Proud Boys arrive and yep. then Antifa arrives. Right. And then the Proud Boys somehow arrive again. Yeah, isn't that awesome? They've re-arrived. Yeah. Not sure how that works, but uh-huh. I'm impressed. And the best sentence is, protesters can be seen throwing punches. And a white nationalist was caught on tape punching a black man in the face. You racist white nationalist, how dare you punch that black man in the face after he punched you in the face? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Don't you know that man is black? You don't get to punch him in the face even though he punched you in the face? Are, are we going to women's rules with, with black guys? <laughs> I mean, is it wow. is it you can't hit them no matter what happens? Because that's wow. been the, the situation forever with ladies, obviously. Well, obviously, apparently. So what are you saying? Black men are ladies, but only no. if they're not Antifa? Well, I don't want to presume anyone's <laughs> sexual orientation and or identity. It's 2020, Charles. So they were, you, and so you black they guys were, might be ladies. I have no ant- idea. I they don't were really Antifix. Antifets? Oh, man. I tell you though, I, I, there there comes a point where all of this comes back around. Like there there comes yep. a point where eventually pendulums sane, have to come back. Well, yeah, your sane friend looks at you if you're if you're a whack job and goes, "You're a whack job." Like that that does happen. It might happen, you know, years from now. It might happen weeks from now. I don't know, but it, this nonsense doesn't. doesn't and I know you perpetuity. also are not the uh, master of Twitter. Nope. But you do know where it is. You know am, where to go. I am and, not and, a twit. Yes. And you've heard of a hashtag, right? Uh, yes. That's what you put in front of the uh, six, seven <laughs> before you. So your caller ID doesn't show up, right? Go ahead. Stop. So um, you stop. They hashtag wrong Trump when his brother, when Trump's brother died. So they can say, you know, we wish that he had died because classic. that's what you do when somebody's brother dies. Very classic. You're listening to the Liberty Hour on AM560, The Answer. What we've got here is... 
failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. This is the Liberty Hour. Here's your host, Sean Thompson, on AM560, The Answer. That nice man just lied to us. (laughs) He did, didn't he? Welcome back to the Liberty Hour. Charles Love here. And two hours burns by quickly. Didn't even get to everything. It does, yeah. But, you know, I think I started last week, but I like to end these, uh, the second hour with something to think about, either big government or, you know, bad politicians or, you know, this one can be categorized under, you know, for thee and not for me. Barack Obama, I think is this guy's name. He's some famous black guy. Um, in the Daily Mail, Barack in the Beach House, longtime friend, builds Obama's multi-million dollar Hawaiian oceanfront villa. Who cares about the money? Here, here comes, I'm bringing it home now. Using loopholes to bypass coastal protection laws on site made famous by TV show Magnum P.I. That's a mouthful. That's a whole sentence. So they had environmental protection regulations, uh, yes. I assume, for like sea turtles. It's a, or it's a century old seawall to protect, sea wall. Okay. Yeah, to protect the, uh, the Hawaii's natural coastline. We don't need that. And the environmental, no, the environmental experts said they need it. You know, no, Trump's the bad environmental guy. Democrats are a great environmental guy. This guy tore down the Magnum P.I. house to build a mansion with two pools and a security uh, uh, house and all this other stuff. Fine. His money. Knock yourself out. I will seek a comment from Selleck. He's doing that, and he's going to circumvent the laws because they only apply to you. Got it, everybody? Environmentalists, all the people say they care, you know, the, you know, the people who say that all blacks are oppressed, even if they're wealthy. You know, Oprah says she's oppressed, all these press. So is Barack Obama. All that stuff can just be all rolled into the Obama beachfront ball, house ball, and, and it's just perfect for everything that's going on. While you all... Punch police officers, set fires, steal mannequin, you know, say looting is okay, all this other madness. He's building his 17th house based on when he, you know, that he can go to whenever he's not, you know, out there prancing around for for, uh, Joe Biden. And the last thing I want to leave you with is uh, it was interesting to see conservatives make such a big deal about uh, Kamala Kamala being uh, Biden's VP pick. They're gonna, I mean, it's political, so they're going to say she's bad or whatever. That's fine. They should do that. Both sides do that. But they were all like, I can't believe this, and she's a bad pick, and what were they thinking? Think you're a conservative. Well, what pick would have been good? You know, oh, you wanted Warren? I'm like, really? Let's be real. Kamala is Warren, is Baz, is Duckworth, is Rice, is Bernie, you know, at all. There is something to be said, I think, for trying to find at least someone who hasn't offered a, an opinion on your rape accusers. Um, well, that's true. You know, yeah, I mean, the, the, you, you could probably want just, to go with the guy who didn't call you the woman who didn't call you a racist. Well, I didn't say you were racist, but right. you're racist adjacent. There, there are there are some things to overcome slightly there. <laughs> well, from an he objective thought that was political the best. point of view. Well, I don't know. He thought that was the best way to go. Well, you know, he's making great decisions these days. <laughs> so I just thought that was interesting. But the Obama rules. Keep in mind. Remember the Jordan rules. These are the Obama rules. Everybody. Obama can do what he wants when he wants. Because he got that white privilege. That must be from his mama's side. You're you know? an idiot. 
That's so wrong. I got that so many Obama s- clips, man. It's so many. Um, <laughs> that, that, yeah, the privilege really is strong with him, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. Walk out of the White House, Netflix, book deals, his $10 million front. You haven't even thought about a book. Here's just a $10 million in case you might want to accidentally write a book. You know, build a house in D.C., build a house on the uh, in the Hamptons, build a house in Hawaii, break the coastal rules. Doesn't matter because... You get to do what you want. And, hey, you don't like Trump. Let Trump try to go to Hawaii and build a, hell, build a house. Forget about find a loophole. Just build a, you know, two-bedroom bungalow. They wouldn't allow it because he has lost his white privilege. Man, this has been quick. This has been fun. Come back next week. We'll have more fun. I guess it'll be just as quick. You are listening to the Liberty Hour on AM 560, The Answer. I have to go home. I have to go home.